With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to There Is No Offseason. It's BP's only daily dynasty podcast. We're a proud member of the BP Podcast Network. If you have a minute, take a minute, I guess, to get at us on any of the social channels with a rating review or uh, drop us an email, tinopodcast at gmail.com, tino, at tinopodcast on Twitter, patreon.com slash tinopodcast. We always appreciate the feedback. I'm Mark Barry. I'm a writer at Baseball Prospectus, and with me as always, he's the fantasy editor at BP, and with spring training just around the corner, he's in the best shape of his life. It's JP Breen. JP, what's up, buddy? Just trying to th- just... It made me laugh. That's all. I'm, I'm like the opposite. I'm definitely in like one of the worst shapes of my life. <laughs> Quarantine has uh, done that to a lot of us, I would yeah, imagine. Yeah, I was going to say, it, this is these are trying times. I think physical activity is, is at a premium, so I don't think anybody begrudges you. But I think that your baseball mind is in one of the best shapes of its life, if if you don't mind me saying so. Well, I, I appreciate it. I can only aspire to reach the heights to which you have already shown us. Well, I mean, not not many... It's it's rarefied air, let's just say that. You are, the, you are in the Coors Field echelon <laughs> of fantasy minds. Yeah, very high altitude in we, my mind. We've got to put you in a humidor. <laughs> um, so I mentioned it just off the top and and I also um realized while we were doing it last episode uh that we always seem to plug the the Patreon like in minute 55 so um I would have to imagine that not many people make it that far so um <laughs> we we do have the Roto League set up we are waiting um to draft for another maybe week or so so if you wanted to join we're ready to go. It's it's coming. It's official. Uh, check us out on on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Tino Podcast if you want to re- reserve your spot in the league. All, the, all that this will do is to um, add some depth to the league. Standard Roto, j- kicking it old school. Um, so yeah, we'd love to have you join us. It'll be fun. And what's better than draft season? What's better than dynasty draft season? Because it's just so different like everyone can go in so many different ways it's it's a it's a lot of fun so check us out we'd love to have you on to business yeah mark i just would like to say that mark wouldn't allow me to make it a three catcher league oh my god did did i (laughs) even have it be two catcher league i don't know we could though i mean whatever it's catcher week at vp so yeah yeah it is I promise to let you talk about catchers, about dynasty catchers, about anything that is crossing your mind about catchers as much as you want. So, and it's it's a belated birthday present to the one and only JP Breen. So, there's going to be a lot of catcher action on today's. Say, it's episode. also you, 
It was also your birthday since the last time that we had a, a recording, too. Yeah, and I don't think either one of us realized it, and we are just, you know, <laughs> we're 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 not we're not at the birthday level before, but now we are. So absolutely, it was good. Uh, I think one of my favorite parts of this week was finding out that one Mike Gianella also likes fantasy catchers. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I agree with him to a certain extent. Um, we can talk shit about catchers all we want, or uh, I, I'll I'll say I can talk shit about catchers all I want. Um, I I won't include you in that, but you also still need <laughs> catchers, and it still takes some mental acuity to figure out what you want to do at the position. So I, I noticed that in Mike's ADP column um, for catchers, and it, it was a good point, and it was. I can you can treat it like a kicker or a defense in fantasy football, but you're probably not going to be very happy with the results, especially if you strike out on the waiver wire. So I, I understand the point. I just I just think it's more fun to make fun of the fantasy catchers personally. Well, see, so there's the whole thing, right? Is like so many fantasy players hate catchers and they hate closers, mm-hmm. right? And I think one of the main reasons for that is a lot of folks who actually, you know, enjoy playing fantasy quite a bit, especially who like playing Dynasty, is they like roster building. And they like roster building as close to real world value as possible. Right? And so that's why you've seen, number one, um, a lot of Dynasty leagues try to move away from saves. Mm Mm-hmm. Because people see that as overvaluing something that doesn't really matter in the first place, right? It's why you see a lot of people go away from, like, starting pitcher wins, mm-hmm. wins um, yeah. and things like that. Or, and why OBP is a big thing, too, right? It's about trying to approximate real baseball value in, in the biggest way. And we did that in, I think, an interesting way in terms of our linear weights league is like Mm -hmm. we just wanted to try to do that in a way and now the roto is is the opposite way and i still i've got a i'm still very keen towards a standard roto leagues that have saves and have two catchers because Mm -hmm. because fundamentally it is a game and it and it brings in something that most people don't like to deal with which is how do you navigate this thing that you need? And you can't win a championship without good closers. And you can't win a championship without... Or, and, and having a good catcher, obviously, is going to help with that. Mm-hmm. But it throws a wrench into so many things that you wish you wouldn't have to deal with, but you do. And to be frank, getting rid of catchers or trying to... You know, the one catcher leagues in which, frankly, catching isn't all that important. Or mm-hmm. getting rid of saves and you know, bringing in holds or doing what the linear weights league has done, all of those things. To me, that actually makes everything much easier. Um, because it, it, it's just aggregate value. And it's, it's the kind of value that we're used to thinking about in terms of baseball. It's the easiest one. You know, you start thinking about, you know, just straight, just look at DRC plus and just kind of go that way. Um, or look at DRA and just kind of do that. And we've got a lot of statistics that kind of incorporate all these things. And it's why people just hate Aldebelto Mondesi and the fact that he <laughs> is a top 20 player. 
because they're like, he's not actually good. And I was like, yeah, well, you know what? Turns out you're playing a game in which uh, stolen bases matter. And some people go, well, let's just get rid of that. And you're like, well, then we're playing a different game, which is fine. It's just, to be frank, I think an easier game. Yeah, we, we sort of had that conversation in the Slack this morning about Byron Buxton. Um, it, it, of course, it's a little bit different because Buxton plays such great defense. So in real life, he still is valuable, even if he mm-hmm. doesn't hit that much. But if you're looking at peak Buxton... It's somebody that could legitimately be like 25 home runs, 30 plus steals. Um, We haven't ever seen that because he just can't stay on the field at all. But when he's at peak, he's going to be an Adalberto Mondesi light type. And so it's still tantalizing, even though you know... Uh, deep down that it's very unlikely to ever happen. Well, I know how much you like Buxton. I'm just, or at least he just, just is, can't quit it. He's just fascinating to me. He's because just every, like, I don't know. Just everything about him is, is interesting to me. Uh, Buxton is one of, obviously not to the same extent in terms of how much they really shown early, but it's a little bit of like the Grady Sizemore thing. Oh yeah. When you're just like, if you could just stay healthy, if you could just stay healthy over 162 mm-hmm. games, get a run with like, it could be really special. Um, and obviously there are still holes with it, right? Like maybe Carlos Gomez in some ways we've talked about this in the past might be a more interesting comp in terms of somebody who struggled over a long period of time and then finally had a click. Um, but Buxton is just like, you know, and I think a lot of people also just kind of say, well, Buxton's never going to stay healthy, and then they just throw him in the bin, and that's, mm-hmm. like, to be fair, it is, like, cognitively easier. Um, you don't have to deal with the messiness. Uh, yeah. But you also then are just going to consign yourself to potentially missing out on somebody who's a five-category contributor and somebody that you need to have in a fantasy league. Mm-hmm. And so it's it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening. But I wanted to throw things back to you for a second because... I was really interested in how many articles this week during Catcher Week at BP basically said, don't worry about positional scarcity all that much. Don't go for JT Real Muto. Don't do these things. And then you kind of stuck your head above the crowd and said, actually, I think maybe you should go with JT Real Muto. And... In yesterday, so uh, so today's Friday, so today's, but I edited it yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike actually gave something in his ADP piece to show that mm, actually taking Real Muto ahead of time and then getting somebody else in a different position later might actually be the way to go if you look at the overall value. And so I wanted to hear what your thoughts were after reading that. Yeah, so anytime you say something or go a little bit against the grain and then later in the week have Mike Gianella come out with an article that is sort of on your side, uh, I think that that's beneficial. I'm, I'm always pleased when that happens as opposed to the alternative. I mean, to be fair, though, he then did actually say, but he actually kind of disagrees with it still. <laughs> No, I didn't. I didn't. I, did, I completely disregarded that part. You, was, you didn't. I saw you didn't the get part to the that end. kind of agreed with me <laughs> and was like, "Oh yeah, see, Mike gets it." 
<laughs> you didn't. I didn't Mike's, bother. I didn't bother worrying Mike's about reading to the end. Me. <laughs> yeah, Mike's smarter than me, and he 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 agrees with me. I don't. I what what's this conclusion he has? Oh, never mind. That's probably not not relevant to what I'm to anything about me personally. I saw the tables. I went and I looked at the tables. <laughs> it was great. I looked he at said, it and I was like, "Wow, there you go." Yeah, JT Realmuto better than Francisco Lindor. Got it. <laughs> so I thought it was really interesting in terms of like. I was wondering when I was reading that, do you transfer that same kind of concept of positional scarcity and kind of the assurity that getting a top-end contributor there brings to your team? Do you kind of also think about that in terms of closers? Or are closers a different beast than fantasy? I think closers are a different beast and... Full full disclosure, I haven't really dug too deep into um, relievers yet because we're not at the reliever bonanza, the, just the week-long party that we have talking about relief pitchers. My point when advocating for Real Muto was that not only was he the best option or the high, the best option per ADP, is that his skills often translate to him being the best at the end of the season as well. Um, a lot of times we talk about taking Mike Trout because you're not thinking, you're not, you're not um, guaranteed that he's going to be the top player at the end of the season, ranked number one uh, across the board. You're taking him number one because he's probably going to be in the top three or four every year and, and or the top 10 like let's say he has a he gets hurt or has a down year he's still going to be in that top 10 mix and with real muto he's been a top four option in the last i forget how many years i, I think the top five or last five years that i looked at it he's been in the top four at the end of the season so not only is he the best option? He's probably the most high-end consistent option too. So with him specifically, and I don't know if this really extends to a lot of the other um, consistent performers because they fluctuate in their value, um, like the Sal Perez's, the Wilson Contreras's, the Yasmani Grandal's, all of those guys are consistently in the top 10, but they're not as... Um, consistently in the top two or three and i've said consistent like a a billion times in the last three sentences but for real muto he's good and he's also good very frequently um so i think that that differs a little bit with closer because you can take the guy who's the number one ranked closer and then his arm falls off after two weeks and then you're kind of screwed or um, you can take a guy like Edwin Diaz when he was coming off his huge year and then he falls back and blows every save known to man and then he's good again. Like I think closers are a different animal altogether just because of the um, roller coaster nature of trying to draft and trying to maintain closers. For catchers, it, it really is Rio Muto and everybody else. So I would be more willing to play the positional scarcity game at catcher than I would maybe at closer. Mm. Yeah, because I mean, it does make me think of like, you know, one of the best ones who was the safest guy to pick in, God, what was it, 2018? Mm-hmm. It was Blake Trinan. 
Yeah. And uh, then he absolutely imploded. And then, you know, last year it was Kirby Yates. Like, Kirby mm-hmm. Yates was the dude that everyone was like, all the statistics, the advanced metrics, all of these things show that he is absolutely the guy to go get it closer, and you can kind of, like, shut up shop and be happy. And then he ended up getting hurt. Yep. Um, Jose Leclerc two years ago? Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody felt like he was a safe guy. <laughs> well, well, two years ago, he was. Was he? Yeah, he was, in, he was one of the top six, seven guys drafted at closer a couple years ago. Well... I guess then I would have disagreed. <laughs> um, you, hey, and you would have been right. I will put that in a feather in my cap. <laughs> um, so it, I do think that closer is going to be is different in that regard. But it'll be really interesting. I think I've always just kind of in dynasty. Well, in dynasty, I like overvalued catchers when I first started because why not? Um, <laughs> I think I like overplayed the positional scarcity thing uh-huh. uh, quite heavily when I was first Every, starting. Everybody's going to need a catcher. Might as well stockpile and hoard catchers, and then then you're just the you know the prettiest princess at the ball. Everybody's well, I mean, going to become want to come to you. Well, I don't think that. Uh, so what I didn't do was take a lot of them, but I did like try to take one and just be like, well, there you go. There's catcher lockdown for six years, and then move on. <laughs> uh, and then that didn't work. Yeah, um, not for nothing. Our TDGX team has Adley Rushman, um, Dalton Varsho, and Francisco Alvarez. So we're 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 set. I mean, to be fair, you probably have two catchers there. We're gonna yeah, we're gonna be plugging those those guys in into utils. Also, you should probably tell your co-manager to stop writing articles about how nobody should take Dalton Varsho. <laughs> yeah. Just just saying, <laughs> if you want to you know, maximize your trade value on that. But, and I maybe, and I don't know, I would never be accused of this, but I may be a misrepresenting what John's point was in his avoid article. But well, that's neither did, here nor I mean, there. you did ask about Dalton Varsho, and I was ready to trade him, and John was pushing back. And so he maybe he's just writing articles and not, um, you know, adhering to his his own advice. Well, I think it was, I mean, it was much more about pushing back on Nolan Jones. Mm, gotcha. Yeah, right? that's true. Yeah, I mean, that that's what I remember from the text and being sad. Um, so I guess this is as good of a, or as close of a segue as I need to talk about some of the, the dynasty catcher rankings. Yeah. Um, Dalton Varsho came in at number seven. And one thing that I found interesting, he didn't qualify as a prospect. Um, he, his eligibility uh, went out the window in 2020, but we definitely in our, in the top 10 lists in our fantasy analysis, we comped a lot of guys to Dalton Varsho, which I guess just means catcher who probably isn't going to catch long-term. Um, I'm talking about Austin Wells. I'm talking about Tyler Soderstrom. Um, I forget who else was on that list of guys we compared to Dalton Varsho. But is that so? We we hoped for a while Kyle Schwarber would get enough starts behind the plate to at least maintain catcher eligibility for fantasy reasons. That happened for maybe one year, and that was it. Is do you see? Is this the last time you think Varsho will be on the catcher list? And then how would 
would that impact how you value an Austin Wells or a Tyler Soderstrom? Uh, I mean, I it's a complicated question for me. Okay. Um, and, you know, I'm going to bring something into the conversation that you weren't asking about. Please. Um, so, Anything to simplify it. Yeah, great. Um, so, I, I mean, to, to say about uh, Varsho, I think he'll probably still get enough. Unless, like, Carson Kelly is that good. Mm-hmm. But I still think there's going to be room for, you know, what, 10, 15 starts over the course of a year. Yeah. The, even well, if he's the, not going to primarily be there. The other guy is Stephen Vogt, right? Is he still he's still in Arizona? Yeah. Yeah. And I like Stephen Vogt. I think he's I think he's fun. He's a good clubhouse guy. I still think he can hit a little bit. But, like, mm-hmm. man, you can run all day on Stephen Vogt. And so he's not somebody that you really want to start a catcher too often if, if you can help it. Though he's good at calling games and, and all that stuff. But the the problematic piece is still the fact that we all kind of know that, like, robot umps are – they're coming. Mm-hmm. And how quickly that is, I don't know. Like, I had – I talked to somebody in the game in which, like, it was – kind of hinted that it was going to be really fast and mm-hmm. i don't know like how much COVID has really messed that up and i would imagine that like they're going to try to test all these things in as many minor minor league settings as possible to try to you know maximize kind of means testing to try to get all all the bugs out before you go to major league and then like one bad call happens and everybody gets on social media and makes it a big thing for two weeks um and also like it was the arizona fall league that like people were still arguing with the computer, which mm-hmm. is still like my favorite thing because everyone's yeah. like, it's just going to bring certainty. And I was like, you've never watched human beings. Have you? Yeah. I um, think that I remember uh, a clip and I, I don't remember who was the hitter, but it was one of those breaking balls that crosses the strike zone, but the catcher catches it really poorly. And so it almost is, it, it looks really bad, but still was a strike. And yeah. so they got pissed and got ejected for arguing with the robot up. And, and that's going to happen. Well, and it won't even just be players, right? It'll be all of it. And I'm sure that we'll write about it at Baseball Prospectus, like about how things need to be recalibrated. And actually, they need to move the zone a little bit. And, oh, don't you think that, like, being able to clip the zone far, and, like, low and away gives too much of an advantage to pitchers? And blah, blah, blah. And everyone's going to try to, like, calibrate it so it's, like, this perfect perfect balance and there'll probably be some good arguments and there'll be some ones that'll make me roll my eyes and we'll get we'll get somewhere right yeah um but like when it comes to fantasy catchers especially for dynasty catchers like tyler soderstrom doesn't make the big leagues for three years are we gonna have robot umps by then Mm -hmm. yeah that's i mean that's a hard thing to uh keep in mind i think and so for me it is much more it's not so much of like trying to project whether or not they're going to be robot umps for me it's much more getting to the point of valuing dynasty catchers to just say do i like the bat i'm not even going to really worry about the defense because i don't really know what's going to happen with it Mm -hmm. um and do i like the bat to the point that if he stays a catcher that's a bonus but even if at that point like you're just looking if the bat can play in a you like a utility aspect yeah, Almost. because because then even too like there are the arguments about like 
you know, Frost and Wells, right? Like, oh, but if it can stick a catcher because of robot umps, then won't he look great? And you're like, I mean, maybe we're a bunch of teams will start putting guys behind the plate. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Like, it, maybe we'll just completely recalibrate what a catcher is. Um, I don't know what the solution is going to be. I don't know if all of a sudden you're going to have... I don't know if they'll... It's like you get, can almost... Get Nelson you, like, Cruz behind the plate. Right, well, it's like you don't even... Like, won't even really have to crouch if there's nobody on base. Like, I mean, I guess you'd have to because of, like, bunts and stuff. <laughs> but I was like, I don't know. Could you just, like, sit back there? Just I don't have, know. Have one of those return... Like, where you throw it into the net and it just bounces, <laughs> comes back right to you. Right. And I was like, I don't know. There's probably going to be some way that you can get into a position in which you can, like, save your knees a little bit more. I don't know what it'll look like. But, um, but it's so I just don't. There's so much uncertainty for what it means to be a catcher long term defensively that I don't really want to get. I don't really want to mess with it. Mm-hmm. I, I just am like, do I like the bat? Yes or no? Um, I don't really want to get into the scenarios of like, God, I don't know. What is it like you're, I'm trying to think of like a a good example of some kind of bat in the back or whatever, where it's like, Oh, this bat isn't all that great, but if he can stick a catcher, Oh, isn't that interesting? Like, I don't know. Like Shay Lang, Lang, Langoliers, Langoliers. I don't know how to say his last name. I apologize. Shay. Um, but it's like all of those things where it's like, but if it sticks a catcher and I was like, I mean, yeah, but that's going to be what a couple of years away. I don't know what catcher looks like in a couple of years. I don't really care for the battle that much. So I'm just not going to get involved. That's how I feel. Yeah. Um, Patrick Bailey's a good example of that too. Yeah. I was trying to find, I was just pulling up the list to try and find something. Um, but yeah, Patrick Bailey might be the, or Drew Romo for the Rockies. Um, It's an interesting dynamic because of the uncertainty. And it's, you're, you're probably right in just going with the bat. And then if you have to move him to the outfield, like, like Dalton Varsho, it's, it it still remains to be seen whether his bat's going to be good enough to just be an outfielder. I think that that decreases his value, obviously, but maybe, maybe he can hit a little bit and still run a little bit and be in OF4 or OF5. You're not, he's not going to be a starting catcher that you just set and forget. Um, like some of the other guys, but his bat can pro- would probably play in in deeper leagues in in the outfield, so that that makes some sense. Where you're gonna run into the issues are, like you said, is Austin Wells gonna hit enough to be a, a great outfielder? He's the 14th ranked dynasty catcher in this this list. I can almost assure you he's not going to be that high on the outfield list. So Right. And I mean to be fair, like Brett and Jesse do say in the in their write up for example that he is a hitter first, right? Mm-hmm. And it's and he's athletic enough to play any any corner and they're just like he they think he can hit for both average and power no matter what position he plays, right? So that is the argument is they're saying he's going to be able to hit regardless of where where he is. Uh, but I think you're absolutely right to say 
if you look at the raw numbers saying he's 14th ranked at the position, what does Austin Wells look like on on the outfield list? I don't know. He's probably not even going to make the top 50. Right. Um, so, I don't know. I, I, think that that's, I think that's pretty interesting, and it's, it'll be something to monitor for sure. Um, it, it does seem like we're getting more of those guys that are OF catcher, or there's a... Um, there was a shortstop catcher uh, guy on on um, the list, and now it's escaping me who that was. Also. Well, I was going to say, it's Kiner Falefa too, right? Like, he's yeah. going to be playing shortstop yeah. and has played some catcher as well. Yeah, so there's the, – the position is changing. So it'll be I, – I don't necessarily know what that's going to look like long term, but there's going to be a lot of different kinds of – profiles that are listed as catcher how long they keep that designation i don't know but i I do think that there will be teams that stick guys back there longer than maybe they would otherwise just because they can hit so on the flip side since i pulled up the fantasy uh, the dynasty rankings and was Mm -hmm. looking at austin wells and seeing all these things he's paired with alejandro kirk who is kind of like I don't want to say the exact opposite, but it's like <laughs> he's not going to play anywhere other than catcher. I mean, other than like maybe DHing or something. Yeah, yeah DH, but, yeah. But Kirk is one of those guys in which it's like it's not a hugely impact profile. It's obviously going to be kind of very reliant on average, which is interesting for somebody who's frankly as slow as Kirk. But. He's somebody who in OBP leagues is going to be even more valuable because of his plate discipline and all of these things. But Kirk is special in terms of dynasty because you're like, if that is going to work at catcher and he gets the majority of playing time at catcher this year, suddenly he's much more interesting than if he were at every other position. And so Kirk is like the opposite of being like, you know, and we've talked about Wells, we've talked about Soderstrom, we've talked about Varsho, and it's just like all of these guys would be like, oh, it'd be nice if they could be a catcher, but also they're the ones that have value because of their bat at other positions, and that gives you the flexibility, gives you the multiple outcomes. But Kirk is like the opposite, where it's like, if it works at catcher, he's actually really interesting in a top 10 catcher. If First it doesn't, of all, how dare done. you? He stole five bases in his minor league career and has yet to be thrown out. He's yet to be thrown out as a professional baseball player. I mean, Albert Pujol still steals bases, and we've seen him run. <laughs> like, Albert Pujols Fair. is somebody that, like, like I I still am astounded he's able to play as much. Because, like, it, it physically looks like it hurts. Um, and Who I don't, do you and think I, would I, win in a race, you or Albert Pujols? Man, I just told you I'm in the worst shape of my life. So uh, you, you don't think you could take him in a in a 60? Oh no! I think I, 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 I'd probably hurt myself. But could I you could, could you make? Well, let's let's just assume that you stretched beforehand. I could give it a shot. <laughs> All um, right, let's. But, we'll we'll get it set up. But it is one of those things of <laughs> a Patreon special. Great. Yeah. Uh, but it it's one of those things that like Albert Pujols has been such a good hitter for so long, but it's one of those guys that it. I don't want to make fun of him for it because it genuinely like. It looks like it hurts. Yeah. Um, and I'm astounded that he's able to play as much as he is. And, and, you know, I give him a lot of credit for that. And 
I know a lot of, you know, Angels fans and people are like, oh, it's his contract and I wish it was gone. But I also give him credit for being able to stick around for as long as he can. And obviously I think he's a good influence in the clubhouse and there's a lot of things there. And I think over the course of his career, he's probably bought some goodwill. Um, but yeah, man, it looks like it hurts. Yeah, it, it, it does. When he's, when he's legging out singles that hit the wall, it's tough. Yeah. And I, and as I said, like we don't, like it genuinely feel bad. Um, another catcher that was uh, a little bit in the news on the dynasty front, uh, maybe this would have been more um, a better, a more spicy trade if it had happened a couple of years ago. But the Rays picked up a couple of relievers for Ronaldo Hernandez, and he's going to Boston. He is probably the opposite of what we're talking about as far as hitters. Uh, that are behind the plate. He's, I think he's more of a different defense first guy, right? Uh, it's like defense power, right? Yeah. So he, he had a really great year in 2018 and then was decidedly not that in 2019. And although he did steal seven bases and wasn't caught. So that's kind of, that's cool for a catcher. Um, does this change? Does this change your perception of Ronaldo Hernandez at all, or is it sort of status quo? Um, yeah, it's pretty much status quo. I, I just think basically the Rays right now are just going to get every questionable... Well, so the Rays were like, we went and got Eriberto Hernandez. We've already got our guy who is maybe, maybe a catcher, but is a pretty... Has an interesting bat, and his last name is Hernandez. Let's get rid of the other one. When I was writing the Get to Know Catching Prospects column, they were both listed as the Rays, and I was going to make this great Hernandez Brothers joke, and it was going to be really funny, and and then he got traded, so I couldn't do it. You can only be brothers if you're in the same organization. I think, famously, (laughs) you can only be brothers if you're in the same organization. I would uh, say... I don't remember off the top of my head. I think I actually got rid of the part where you had the raise there and crossed it out. Yeah. Yeah. It happened the day before I posted the, or I filed it. Um, yeah. I, I do think that if there is a benefit to Hernandez, it's that it's a little bit more of a clear path for him to uh, play. Um, he's probably, he's not going to play right away. Uh, he's still pretty young, but the raise still have Zunino. Um, they just, they traded for Francisco Mejia. They have, uh, like you mentioned, Heriberto Hernandez. Um, Blake Hunt is another guy that, mm-hmm. that has been, um, in the system for a little while or not in the system for a little while. But they got him from the Padres, but he's, well, he's another one old. that's would, would be ahead of him in the depth chart. He's actually um, been somebody from the limited 2020 info that we do have from like instructs and alternate side stuff. Like he's actually been somebody who's gotten a ton mm-hmm. of buzz. Yeah, he's an arrows up guy. Yeah. So he the the pathway for him to make the big league team is a little bit more clear in Boston. So if there if there's anything to take from that, it's that we might see Ronaldo Hernandez. Whereas in Tampa Bay, it was it was unlikely. He would have had a lot of guys to to hop before before getting that big league experience. Yeah. Well, and mostly I just think if you're in the Rays organization, I think a lot of people end up putting some arrows up in terms of their prospect development. In my head, I just am like, okay, we're never going to see them. 
Yeah. Did, um, who was it? Um, now the the name's escaping me. Was it was it Kylie McDaniel that talked about how when he t- when he had spoken with people inside organizations, they w- were just hesitant to trade with the Rays and the Dodgers when they asked for somebody that they weren't expecting. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, remember, I don't know if you saw that. I, I mean, I remember I'm well aware of the stories about that, mm-hmm. even even if it's not coming from him in particular. But yes, I'm I'm aware of that because it, it was always for the dynasty wise, uh, or for like the dynasty context, right? It was the exact same joke, and I think I said it to Craig. It was just like, oh yeah, that just reminds me of like if Brett sends me a trade offer. Like, <laughs> no kidding. In TDGX, I'm just like, yeah. ah, probably not going to do this. Yeah, or you're you're negotiating a trade with Brett, and he uh, tacks on somebody like, oh well, I'll give you this person, but then you include this as well. And on the, at first glance, you're like, yeah, that's fine. And then you sit for a minute, and you're like, wait a second, why does he want this person too? Yeah, he's <laughs> hashtag never trade with Brett. You really shouldn't, but also I I end up doing it, and I end up not, and it, it doesn't always end up working out for me. I don't know if I've ever actually done a trade with Brett, and I don't think it's because we haven't wanted to. I just think, like, or, like, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I just think that we've never once tried to connect. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because I had, on Twitter, used the term never trade with Brett <laughs> too much <laughs> that he just never bothered. Uh, any any other catchers that you wanted to hit on? Any other catching this is this is your episode where you get to talk about catchers as much as you want there are a few signings and there's a little bit of dynasty news but i I really wanted to make sure you get your fill of of catchers before we moved on to any other positions i appreciate it buddy i wanted to actually bring up one person yes because it was somebody that uh we have in our 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 original tino team Mm -hmm. and it's somebody that you told me in the middle of the week that you were actually looking at him and uh kind of grew to like him a little bit more than you were expecting yeah and tyler stevenson with cincinnati Mm -hmm. so talk to me about like i don't know like because it seemed to me that you had like one idea of him and it seems to have changed yeah so and it, it might have just been he was on a dynasty team that I took over forever ago, uh, right after he was drafted, and then he he got hurt. He didn't really do too much um, when he started playing again, and then I just sort of wrote him off, and it was out of sight, out of mind for Tyler mm-hmm. Stevenson. Um, and and then so writing the column this week, I was digging into some of his numbers again and some of his scouting reports, and I was like, oh wow, yeah, Tyler Stevenson is actually cutting way down on strikeouts, and he's also walking a, a bunch, and and you know that when those two things start to trend in those directions, I'm going to be all all over it. Hmm. Um, he struck out. Uh, he didn't he didn't play a ton in 2020. He he did get eight games, 17 plate appearances, so some of those were uh, pinch-hitting roles. He struck out a lot, but his swing strike rate was still below, or less than the league average, so a lot of the strikeouts came from being deep in counts, which is reflected in his, his walk rate. I think that he could end up being a a batting average asset in fantasy, Um even if he doesn't flirt with 300, which might be, which is unlikely, 
but an asset relative to the position. And he, he'll have a little bit of power. Um, he's going to get on base, which is helpful for the runs. And I, I just, I had guess I'd written him off or just had thought about, eh, he's not, shouldn't be on the radar. He was a first rounder and then has kind of busted since then. Mm. And I think, I just think that he has been built back up in my head to be something. And he's right on the doorstep. He's uh, roster resource. I think has him as the backup to start the season. And he only has to beat out uh, Tucker Barnhart, which doesn't seem like it would be all that difficult based on uh, Tucker Barnhart's offense in the last two or three seasons. So we could be seeing um, a lot of Tyler Stevenson this year, and the range of outcomes, I think, is is pretty positive. He could be even a, a good late-game redraft target this year, I think. And I think one of the other things that happened with Stevenson is not only did he have a couple of bad, well, I mean, relatively bad seasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was one of the things in which if you're taking 11th overall in a draft as a prep catcher, and you go out in, what was it, 2016 and hit 216. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, eh, I'm not really in that. And even in like 2018, it was right, he hit like 250. And he's never really hitting for, he's never really hitting. That was a tough name, yeah. a tough word. He's never really hit for uh, too much power, right? Like it's mm-hmm. the most he's ever really, I think he, what, 11, sorry, I just pulled up the page, uh, 11 homers in 2018 was his largest kind of homer output. Yeah. But it's one of those things that he was hurt for so long. And when Mm -hmm. you struggle and are hurt and you're a prep catcher, you're just kind of off the, you're off the radar completely because nobody really wants to invest in dynasty league catchers in the first place. We don't want to invest in dynasty league catchers who are injured for a lot. And if you're injured and haven't put up great numbers, we definitely don't want to invest in dynasty league catchers. And then it was like 2019, has started to get a little bit healthy and uh, actually was solid. And in 2020 showed that he still is kind of solid. And it's one of those things that you're looking at a catching prospect who might be a league average hitter with above average power. Mm -hmm. And if you can do that for that too, absolutely. And if you can do it in a good park, you can do it with the ability to be an everyday guy uh, in terms of like defense, like is it perfect? No, there's still some is from like reading uh the scouting reports on BP and things like that, right? Like you can still see that he's a little bit stiff behind the plate. Like there still needs to be some development in terms of his defensive capabilities. Obviously, last year he showed that maybe he needs to still be a little bit more aggressive at the plate and can't mm-hmm. be overly passive. Like all of these things that are there, but suddenly you actually see how somebody could actually be a top 10 fantasy catcher over an entire season and so i wanted to say tyler stevenson ryan jeffers straight up which would you would you prefer uh stevenson and not really all that close for me and that's interesting right because actually one of the biggest things that we've seen is jeffers is kind of way ahead of him yeah in terms of the i mean and way ahead of him is is roughly you know what like 10 to 15 spots and and a lot of that is Mitch Garver just absolutely nosediving in 2020, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I think that the that people are out, just out on Mitch Garver. And I think that there's going to be, he, I don't, <laughs> I don't think it's possible that he's as bad as he was in 2020. So there's obviously going to be some bounce back. And I think that that will 
definitely cut into Ryan Jeffers' time at least this year, if not in the next two or three years. And I, I don't think that um, I, Tucker Barnhart's a pretty good defender, but I don't think that he's going to offensively stand in the way of anything Tyler Stevenson does. And if he comes out the gate and hits, then he's going to play. Yeah, and Mitch Garver is interesting too to me, right? Because I think mm-hmm. one of the biggest things that ended up happening is after his Banner 2019 year, everyone kind of pushed him up. And I think he was even considered a top three fantasy catcher for 2020. Oh, yeah. And and everyone went nuts. And of course, what you did is you had a lot of people being like, small sample, small sample, <laughs> small sample, small sample. And then he was terrible in 2020. And everyone's like, see, I was right. And you're like, okay, but that's a that's a super small sample. Yeah. Um, and so... I've been really fascinated by the response to Mitch Garver, and I've particularly been fascinated by the people who really got high on Mitch Garver in 2019 and, like, bought into the small sample are, like, now not high on Mitch Garver and saying that 2019 was a small sample because of 2020. And that, like, kind of breaks my head. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really know what to think. And I And I wrote about it, oh, God, a couple months ago now probably in which it was like the most interesting thing to me about Mitch Garver is like his stack cast stuff is actually pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Didn't um, really change that much. Yeah. And so like, okay, which, what does that mean? Does it mean that stack cast is kind of, I don't know, kind of bunk in terms of being like predictive nature of it? Like, what does that really do for us? Everyone's like, well, his hard hit rate, or like his batting average on balls and play went down. I was like, but his hard hit rate went up or <laughs> like what, I don't know what the, I don't remember if it was that or barrels or what it was, but mm-hmm. like one of those things. And I was like, how do you square those things? I don't know. Like both of those things are super volatile. I don't know how to do these things. And to me that highlights using StatCast in these ways is largely narrative building, um, which I think is fine, but I think we need to actually be aware of what we're doing there. Mm-hmm. And, I'm just really interested interested to see what Mitch Garver does. I really wanted Mitch Garver to be traded. Like, I really wanted Mitch Garver to go to, like, I don't know what a good example is off the top of my head in terms of getting somewhere where he could play every day and just be away from Minnesota and, I mean, I don't know, even Cleveland. I, Roberto Perez, nothing against him. And but, Austin Hedges, don't forget. Uh, I would never forget Austin Hedges. I should have sent him to Seattle. Well, yeah. I mean, I can see that. I do kind of... I wrote... I actually put, in terms of, like, the catcher targets, I put Tom Murphy as somebody to to target. Mm -hmm. Just because I think... And I also, to your point, was very gratified when uh, Mike wrote his article for Friday and put Tom Murphy down at the end of it and said, by the way, I think a lot of people forgot he was actually quite good in 2019, and it's ridiculous that he's going outside the top 30 or top 300. And I was like, Mike gets it. Yep, Mike gets to- it. I told you guys, jeez. So, yeah, I think with Steve getting back to Stevenson, I think I wrote in it's either in the the column or the chat that I did this week. I think uh, Jeff is going to come in and second guess a couple of the things. We're going to uh, do some role reversal. I uh, took over the chat this week. Um, he might be my second favorite catching prospect. Uh, and in some order, it's going to be like those that, that next four are uh, Stevenson, Joey Bart, uh, Luis Camposano, and Francisco Alvarez in some 
order, and, and Stevenson might be number two. And I did not expect that going into writing this column, and I'm happy to I'm happy to have him in that Tino listener league. That's for sure. I guess whatever. I I guess whatever. <laughs> Who really cares, right? Yeah. Oh, based on based on our performance, I think that that's the only attitude you can really have. I don't know what I actually think. I kind of liked our our draft. Yeah. We we took a lot of we took a lot of veterans to try and get a better draft pick next year, which doesn't which seems sort of uh, counterintuitive. I I I mean I don't think that we're counting Ty France and Andres Munoz as veterans. Who else? Ty, Trevor Rogers. We got yeah. Also not a veteran. You just mean yeah. like we took big leaguers. We took yeah. We took guys that are actually going to play probably. Yeah, and I mean part of that was because Hopefully. we already had so many prospects on our team mm-hmm. but it's also just one of those two that i think everybody was taking so many prospects that like we kind of looked who was there and we were just like yeah and big, a shoot or big austin hendrick guys oh yeah we took we took austin hendrick because we we're just like look we need a potential star and look yes he might swing and miss a, a little bit but if it hits that's loud and that's mm-hmm. what we need um so let's we got we did get a question in the email um, from our buddy Mason, uh-huh. and he had he had something to say about. I'm sure he, I'm sure he wasn't talking to me. This is probably directed at you because the first line is, "Given your Kyle Tucker hate, this may be a no brainer for you Go both." Ahead. But who would you want on your contending Roto team for the next five years only? Wander Franco or Kyle Tucker? Uh, Wander Franco by a lot. Yeah, yeah. I think the five years thing is is pretty indicative of what I would say. I I, yeah. I I would say I would say Tucker for this year. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and maybe next year if the Rays get to some shenanigans of not playing their best players. But yeah, I think I mean, that over the course of five years, you're going to want Wander Franco. Yeah, and I mean. Look, I think we can all underestimate what the Rays will do in terms of being able to manipulate <laughs> service time. But at the uh-huh. same time, when it comes to it, they still need, there is still something to be said for keeping a potentially all-star level talent uh, happy and engaged. Well, we, we did see what happens if if you do that. And that's Fernando Tatis signed a 14-year contract with the San Diego Padres this week. I know. I actually, I meant to text you about that because I figured you were super happy about that. Yeah, I, I, well, I, I'm, I'm super happy about that. I think it's really cool when guys get paid. It bummed me out that me, that um, Cleveland didn't have as much money as Media Haven San Diego. Just the giant media market news coverage everywhere San Diego. I, so if you – I was just thinking about it in terms of like – because you sent us uh, the – or maybe you put it on Twitter. I don't remember. Your uh, your T-shirt. Oh, yeah. For, for Tatis. Tatis T-shirt. It was, yeah. It's pretty pretty sweet. And so I was like that at least is going to age nicely. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's cool, man. I, it, it's very weird that – just operating as if it's business as usual is the new market inefficiency. 
And it, it, San Diego just loaded up this winter and then extended their best player for a long time, which is which is cool. And and we've we talked about this or um, I don't remember if we talked about this or the show on the show or if I was talking about it with my dad. But I remember seeing somebody ask Angels fans, would you rather have Mike Trout sign this 13 year extension or would you rather have won the World Series in the last 10 years or the last six years of Mike Trout or seven years of Mike Trout? And and the answer is, you would rather have Mike Trout. If if you win the World Series, that's great, but you get to watch Mike Trout for his whole career. That's awesome. And I, I do think that we lose ourselves a little bit in, well, did you win the World Series? No, uh, then you suck. Or, up oh, failure of a season because we lost the World Series and we're spending this money. It's it's cool when you get to watch the fun players that you like. And well, and now the San Diego fans are going to get to have Tatis there probably for the rest of his career. I mean, and also, like, when – who are the teams that win – and there are going to be some examples. But in general, right, like, you don't win a World Series unless you have elite, elite talent. And I'm not mm-hmm. just talking about your guys who have one good year and then, like, you know, kind of fall off or whatever. Like, it's your – it's your premium – premium talent it's your max scherzers of the world right it's your your clayton kershaw's your mookie bets of the world it's making sure that you have your entire goal and giving you the opportunity to win the world series is acquiring someone like mike trout Mm -hmm. like san diego is locking down tatis a because you know doing it now allows them to save money and blah 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 yeah but if the goal is to fundamentally win the World Series, which it is, you're going to need your Fernando Tatis Juniors, right? Like you're going to need all of those all of those guys. And as much as like everybody made fun of San Diego for signing Eric Hosmer to a long deal, the entire point of it was locking those guys down to cost certainty so you could then build around them, right? And now you don't have to worry about first base is it an impact guy at first base no but you know he actually had an okay year and maybe it's kind of interesting in what he does but at the same time it was about building a foundation so you then could go and get your absolute elite talents over a long period of time it's sort of like when the nationals signed jason worth right and they they were not not very good when they gave him a huge contract and then they started filling in around him and we're like, hey, we'll spend a bunch of money for Jason Worth, who was probably underrated when he signed that deal. But then you bring in your Max Scherzers, and you hit the hit the absolute jackpot two years in a row, and get Strasburg, and you get Bryce Harper, and you're kind of off to the races. Well, and it also highlights two other things for me, and it's like number one. The guys that rebuilding teams are able to sign for extreme long-term deals are never, like, the highest end, mm-hmm. right? Because your Bryce Harpers of the world want to go somewhere where they can actually see an early pathway to success, right? They're not going to go somewhere. Like, your Eric Hosmer, who's like, oh, crap, you're going to give me a, you know, I don't remember how many years it was, an eight-year deal or whatever? Like, I can't turn that down, <laughs> but... Because all of your other guys were all of your other teams that were competing were like, we want to give you like two or three years. Um, 
And so when you do have your absolutely high, high end talent that is available on the free agent market, they want to go somewhere and they want to compete. Why? Because that's why they hit free agency in the first place. They probably had an opportunity to get paid. Yeah, they want the combination to be able to do all these things and opt out deals are there and things like that. But the other thing that it really pops out to me is over the course of the season, and maybe the White Sox are the one example, the one counter example, but just everyone in the Midwest bled money. And like that was what it was talked about in terms of just like the financial impact of COVID. Because they were just saying in the center of the country it was bad, uh, and obviously on some of the co- uh, on some of the coast you've got TV networks that can help bolster it. You've got some real estate things that can help bolster it. You've got a lot of a lot of things that can help mitigate it. But like as much as we want to make fun of Cleveland, or as much as we want to talk about Milwaukee or Chicago or you know Kansas City or you know Texas or or whatever, like COVID. Like that was a big deal in terms of finances. Mm-hmm. And we, outside of, I think the White Sox, no one spent money in the Midwest. Yeah. And even the White Sox, they got Liam Hendricks and, and your boy Adam Eaton, but they didn't, they didn't like uh, set the market ablaze with, or do Adam, anything like that. Look, for, considering their new manager and having Adam Eaton, Adam Eaton's got like 162 games. Oh, without a doubt. Like the, it, the performance matters zero. He's he's going to be in that lineup. He's probably going to hit leadoff. It's got to play every day. Yeah. <laughs> um. Just just happened this morning. The Mets signed Taiwan Walker. What are your thoughts on uh, Taiwan Walker's return? It's is it this this would be his second season after Tommy John, right? So that's usually what we consider as getting back to relative normal? Uh, I mean, yeah, I think that's the conventional wisdom on it. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that like the normal was never fantasy wise that great. Sure. Right. I mean, even, even his best year, which was 2017. Yeah. I would say his first year with diamondbacks, right? Mm -hmm. Um, it was basically rate based. He didn't strike that many guys out. He's, he still was able to walk some. It was basically like, I think it was. Well, I can actually just like pull it up here and be an actual. Yeah, it was. It was about a strikeout per inning. Yeah, so I mean, it wasn't anything special, and and in fact, it was much like what he did in 2020. uh, But in 2020, he got some BABIP help, Mm -hmm. and so you know, if you're talking about getting back to normal and it's your best case scenario, you're talking about somebody who's much more of a rates guy than somebody who's going to be somebody that can rack up the strikeouts and really get into it. But what it really reminds me of in a lot of different ways, maybe of touch more strikeouts, but he really reminds me of Marcus Stroman in terms of fantasy yeah. profile. And they're going to be in the same rotation. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to, yeah, I was thinking like, well, they have a type, don't they? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> okay. is Tywell Walker going to, he's going to be what, the fifth starter? Um. Yeah, I think fourth or fifth. Uh, yeah, and now, now the only thing, uh, the only question is whether he can pry that double zero away from Mister Met. <laughs> is that what you all were talking about when I got mm-hmm. on? Yeah, got it. I now understand the. <laughs> I now understand the conversation that I came into. Okay, good. 
good. Yeah. What do you have to get him as the veteran? He's not even the veteran is the problem. Mr. Matt's <laughs> been there since like the mid sixties. But what do you like what do you have to get him to get the number? Usually like they get like a steak dinner or a charity donation or a nice watch. What does Mr. Met need? How how's his how's his bullpen cart? Is does he have all the the upgrades? Does he have all the new like uh, the new? Maybe he could get like a a, a Tesla bullpen cart. <laughs> that, that'd be cool. You'd new T-shirt get... cannon. Yeah. <laughs> Not with too much power though. I think those things are probably regulated. He's he can maybe get his head reseamed. Just gets just just some help. Just some maintenance. <laughs> a facelift. It's always it's always important to make sure you take care of yourself first keep and it, foremost. Keep it tight. <laughs> well, I don't know. Sure, I was just gonna say make sure he like stays healthy. Tighten yeah, those that, seams. It could be. Yes, it's it's a Mister Met version of Botox. <laughs> so I know that Jeff had mentioned that he had some questions about some of the uh, some of the chat answers from uh, my my chat that I took over. A lot of his questions from this week. Uh, Jeff, what what really struck out as something that I might have screwed up? I don't think that's the purpose of this segment in oh, general. Okay. Well, just, that is that is now conversation. That is now the purpose of this segment. <laughs> and also, I would just like to point out because I was looking at a picture of Mr. Met that uh, MLB dot com says that. Oh no, this is Wikipedia. It says team New York Mets description. Man with a baseball for a head. <laughs> First scene, nineteen sixty-two. Look, that's a fair. That's a fair description. I think it. It is. It's not like mascot or anything like that. It's man with baseball for a head. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's have Jeff explain where Mark was incorrect. All right, it's from Eddie in New York City. Who is the better hitter, Rushman or Torkelson? Mark's response is, "I'll take Torque." Okay. I I agree with this. I think it might be closer than you think, though. Rushman might really... I, I don't know if he has Torkelson's high-end power potential, but if you told me they were both ended up like 60-hit, 60 60-power 60 guys in the majors, I would not be super surprised. That'd be like a 40% percentile outcome for Torkelson and like a 70 percentile outcome for Rushman. Yeah, I, I, I feel good about it. I, I think you're right, but I do think maybe we underrate Rushman as like an actual just as a hitter. Uh huh. Yeah, sort of like what we were talking about before. Like Rushman is a guy that you would plug in regardless of where he uh, is playing defensively for fantasy lineups. Right. Well, and it, I was gonna say I do wonder if like Rushman is treated a little bit the same way that Andrew Vaughn is, where like Andrew Vaughn, everyone was like, oh, I heard about how much power he has, and I just like didn't really see it in his in his 2009 debut, like. Is is some of Mark for where you're kind of saying like, I cause I think I ultimately agree with you as well, but I think that Rushman has a lot more power than he showed in 2019, and so like if I were to kind of flip it around and not to say Rushman or Torque, but if we were to say like Rushman or Vaughn, do you still have the same answer in terms of like you'd rather go for Vaughn or is that closer? Um, I think that it's. Probably it's closer. I might still lean Vaughn, but it's it, it, all, all these are high end hitters mm-hmm. where you're not gonna be upset with whichever direction you go. And so I would I would probably slightly take Vaughn, but I don't think that that's an indictment on Rushman. Mm. 
This one's personally important to me. From Ryan in Montreal, does Rowdy Telez get enough at-bats to show his improvement last year wasn't a fluke? If you are buying, what can we expect from him in 2021? Mark's response. Important. I, he's like my starting first baseman right now in the Tino League, which is why it's important. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. He's penciled in as the everyday DH and doesn't really have any discerning platoon splits to be in danger on that end. The Jays have a ton of guys to cycle in on offense, but that usually shakes itself out as the season progresses. Telez is definitely a sneaky late-round target. I hope so. I also have C.J. Crone, so if he makes the Rockies as the everyday first baseman, C.J. Crone and Coors could be fun, I guess. Like, like literally, it's maximum C.J. Crone fun, which isn't that fun. Yeah, but sure. We've well, maxed I, out C.J. Th- that's fun. all we're really looking for out of the Rockies yeah, yeah. this year, right? Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, but everyone loved C.J. Crone coming into last year, or whatever last year he was healthy, and then ended up getting hurt. Um, and then he was okay to start the season. I think I mean, he was CJ Crone. Yeah, in so, Detroit. Yeah, last year was Detroit, right? The yes, year he's one year. And then in Tampa, he's in. He's on the one year contract portion. Uh-huh. Right <laughs> so, Rowdy Telez or CJ Crone? Assume, assuming Crone gets the everyday gig. Man, that's that's. I'd feel better if close. I knew when Toronto was going to start playing in Toronto because Dunedin is not a great place to hit. And also, I think it'll just be a weird season for them generally. Wait, is that where they're playing? They're not going to play. They're starting Buffalo? the season mm-hmm. in Dunedin for at least yeah. the first two because Buffalo is starting April fourth. They've committed to Dunedin for the first two home stands, which oh. I assume takes them roughly to when Dunedin would start, which is May fourth. So, I didn't know that. Okay, I'm oh less excited God. about that. Then. Where are they going to go? So so one I'm talking of the... about Dunedin and then Buffalo and then Toronto at some point. <laughs> they should go to Colorado Springs. That'd be fun. <laughs> so I think that with Crone, assuming everyday at-bats is the important thing, I don't know if that's an assumption I would make. The Rockies are weird, man. That could go yeah. a number of different... They could just play him every day at first base over, like, Ryan McMahon. Oh, man. Because I, I do like Rowdy. Assuming everyday bats, I'd probably take Crone just because of Coors, and he's 25, 30 home runs regardless when he's in the lineup all the time, and so that would be kind of fun. So, even though uh, Rowdy Tillies is in a better lineup, he's was really good last year, and I think that he can put up some good numbers too. I, I just think they have a ton of guys, and so he's going to have to be good pretty quickly well i was just gonna say i'm not 100 percent. like what is the big what's the big change that like rowdy Tillez made in 2020 that everybody's like so excited about he started um being a better hitter um at, at, <laughs> at baseball thanks. thanks he's like hey man it it's not very fun to to suck at hitting why don't i be good and he did so cut his strikeouts in half. I know, but like he still swung at everything outside the zone. Like that, it's not like he suddenly w- didn't swing a bunch. He just made, made a contact. lot, lot more contact. Yeah, especially on pitches outside the zone. <laughs> like even on, on zone contact too. Yeah, for sure, he made a, a big jump there. But like it was a seven percent jump out of the strike zone. Like all he made more contact in general, and that I think is a hundred percent true. But like. You know, 
like his ground ball rate almost went up like 10%. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I just, I don't know if we've really seen a lot there. And also, I would like to point out, since I think that this is what, I would have to say that this is a good demographic for, like, the old Disney Channel TV movies, right? Or was that not something that you were really brought up on? Nothing. No. Go. Yeah. I mean, sure. Go. Okay. Uh, go. Go. Let's. Let's hear the. Um, that sounded like it the... landed well with the audience. I was gonna say <laughs> that was a, a nothing. I wasn't even sure if Mark like had dropped off the, the podcast for a second. So I, I, I caught myself in a pause and then just decided to to let it rip to see <laughs> see what the follow up would be. Well, my follow up is in general. Uh, I was. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, if I ask a question, I generally will stay quiet until the answer comes, because otherwise I'm confused. Um, so there was, God, it had to have been like late 90s. Okay. A television movie on, on Disney Channel, right? It was about all these people who were rollerblading. It was called Brink. Great 90s movie, by the way. Might have been early 2000s, but anyway, great movie. Okay. Uh, competitive rollerblading. They were on a team uh, sponsored by like uh, some pet washing company it was like uh sure. like sure i don't remember what it was pop and suds that's mm, what yeah. it's called and anyway so like this one part is the bit the main character who's like going through and he's skating is doing badly and so he goes over to talk to his family and his family's like you know it's okay we'll do better we'll do better and his like little sister comes up and he's just like this is not like the disney version of it but he's basically mm-hmm. like hey asshole do better And like, it's this entire thing where he's like, oh, do better. And do you know who that little boy in the movie was? It was Rowdy Tellies. Exactly. Right. Like, and he was just like, why did no one tell me that? I just got (laughs) to do better. And then ends up like going out and does better. Right. And so when you're just like Rowdy Tellies was like, I just need to maybe be better at baseball. That, the, that's the only explanation that I have, so that's that's and, I'm sticking to it. And I'd also like to explain that that tangent going into a Disney Channel movie was worth it. Absolutely, absolutely worth it. Also, so is this is this one that seen... was in your rotation, or how did you watch this frequently, or just whenever it was on? Did you? Oh, like, dude, ha- did, did when, you did... tape it on VHS? No, 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 no. But when uh, when Disney Channel. TV movies came on in mm-hmm. late ni- late nineties when I was I don't know ten years old like mm-hmm. that was a thing right like they were all they were so many good ones there were uh, what was another one there was like it was basically like every sport and then um, so it was pre high school musical okay was when that, it was that's like when extremely the, strong the big shift at Disney Channel movies was High School Musical right. They just don't make them. They don't make them like they used to. Oh, of course not. Are you kidding? There were so Pup, many good ones. Pup and Suds is just going to be the title for this episode. By the way, let's hope so. Also, <laughs> there are going to be uh, there are, and I have been aware of this from uh, Twitter back in the day that there are plenty of fantasy uh, folks who are in in the industry who also understand Brink, and okay. so that is something. And by the way, Brink exclamation point. And just because you're not cultured enough to have experience with it does not mean it was not an absolute mainstay in 10-year-old JP's house. Well, I know what I'm doing this weekend. I'm going to uh, fire up Disney Plus and hope 
and hope to God that Brink is on the service so I can oh, so I can watch it and know what you're talking about. This film dude. is considered a modern and loosely based adaptation of Mary Mapes Dodge's eighteen sixty five novel, Hans Brinker, or The Silver Skates. Holy shit. Oh, you gotta get in that. Come on. If it is on Disney Plus, I'm watching it. An adaptation of an eighteen sixty five novel. That is that's I'm I'm very excited. Loosely for this. based. Loosely based, sorry. I'm very excited for this. Um, it's, next it's episode of Tino may or may not be all about Brink. Uh, sprink, we'll, we'll sprinkle in some Dynasty Outfielders, but it might just be a review of Brink. It says, uh, the film stars Eric Von Detten as Andy Brink Brinker, sure. a high school inline skater who joins a group of sponsored aggressive inline skaters to earn money to help his financially troubled family. Aw. Brink. Awesome. <sighs> what a good movie. That's better. That's better than Fantasy Catchers. Well, I mean, that's a that's a great one. Why do we think this isn't the first time this movie has come up on the podcast? I I would imagine because it is a cultural mainstay, as I said, in the formative years of my preteen childhood. I'm going to watch this movie, and I'm just going to understand you a whole lot more. It's going to be great. I don't know if I remember a ton about it, but I will watch it <laughs> if it is on a Disney Plus. I will watch uh, it. Well, that's the homework. It's Watch Brink. Join us next week. We're, we'll Ooh. be back at the same time. We'll be talking Ooh. about all things Brink, all things loosely based novels from 1865. Also, uh, Luck of the Irish was the, the basketball one. Just found that on the internet. That had Timothy Amundsen uh, being the uh, leprechaun who is like a basketball player. So we're also about that. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll have to, I'll have to look at that one too. I'm not as sold about it as as Brink, but um, Timothy Amundsen is fantastic. I and I will not hear any dissenting opinions on that. No slander, no slander for Timothy Amundsen. But so, I mean, let, let's go out on Timothy Amundsen. Let's go out on Brink. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week, and we'll be talking about some stuff baseball-related, but maybe also Disney Channel movies. Thanks for listening. You guys are the coolest. See ya. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.